What is up, ladies and gentlemen? We are back with another episode of All Gear No Game, and we got that new cover art going on. It's pretty sick. And make sure to you know follow us on the Instagram um, and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Yeah. But yeah, we got Jonah back with another. We're gonna be talking about some NBA, and we're we're I think first we're gonna start off with our lineups. Dude, this intro is so bad. Like, I'm so bad at introductions. It's bad. That's okay. I think we're getting better, though, if anything. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um. So, we're going to start off. Jonah's going to do his top, uh, like, future, like, megastars. And then um, our current, like, using current players, we're going to make our dream lineups. So, wow. yeah. You want to hop into it? Let's yep. do it. So- for my top three future megastars, I did obviously only young players. And the way I defined young players were guys who are still on their rookie contracts. Oh, okay, so basically, yeah. like for all intents and purposes, the first four seasons in the league. And I actually found this to be pretty easy to make this top three. Like there are some really good young players, but I think there were three that were just a cut above. So number one, no question was Luka Doncic. I think you'd agree with that, right, Colin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Luka's obviously really good. Um, second season in the league, led the most efficient offense in NBA history. This kid probably, at this point, if you were to tell me his career would finish and he would be considered a top 25 player of all time, I would be disappointed. Like, I fully expect Luka to retire as a top 10 player in NBA history, possibly even like top five. Yeah, like the ceiling is the roof. The kid is very good. He's got every trick in the bag as like, I don't know. I don't even know if he can like legally drink yet, but he's plays like a 30 year old point guard. Like he can manipulate the defense on the highest level. He's got, every little step back three he can make every read in the pick and roll he can find guys with either hand he can find them all over the floor he just sees the game in a way that is just unreal for a kid his age and that's why i had no doubt in my mind when i put luke at number one my number two guy maybe hasn't shown as much as Luke, well, he hasn't shown as much as Luca has yet, but I think he's got also a ton of potential. And he really started to flash that potential as we got into like the last couple of months of this season. And that's Jason Tatum. And that's probably a bit of a surprising pick. Like I bet most people probably would have put Zion number two. I decided to put Jason Tatum number two. And that's just because with Zion, I love Zion. Like, I think he was tremendous in the, was it 19 games he played this season? I think something like that. Yeah. But Jason Tatum is going to be around for the next 15 years. He's a way better defender than Zion is. He can get to shots on at all three levels. He He can create shots at all three levels and he's efficient at all three levels. And that's been the big thing for me seeing Jason Tatum improve this year is how, how, um, how he settled for shots a lot less this year. Like in the past you would see him beat his defender. Like he's always been very good with the ball in his hands. He's always been a good isolation player near the end of shot clocks and such, 
but far too often you'd see him settle for those little like 10 to 15 foot like fadeaway floater type shots which he's good at like don't get me wrong like that's a good shot but you saw him take it to the basket a lot more this year you saw him create threes for himself too which he converted at just an insane rate like he was unconscious from three for the last couple of months of the season and that's why i put jason tatum at two also probably this is another big opinion i'd say he's probably the best wing help defender in the nba right now probably i could be talked into saying that would be jonathan isaac five years from now or even one year from now but like we just haven't seen jonathan isaac healthy this season and when we have seen him healthy he was not quite at the level that i saw jason tatum at this year and that's why jason tatum's number two probably the best all-round guy on my list. I'd say he's a better rounded player than Luka Doncic is when you look at his game holistically. Mm -hmm. And then my third guy, I kind of um, hinted at this earlier, obviously, but I'm going to go Zion Williamson. He's just a freak athlete. Like there haven't really been, hasn't ever been a player like him in the NBA. He's yeah. He dominates when he's played like in the 19 games he played, like, I'll always be in the camp of saying that John Morant was the rookie of the year this year. Like, obviously you have to factor in the whole season and John Morant just had a crazy good season. Zion Williamson was the best rookie this year. He's better than John Morant right now. His athleticism crashing the offensive glass. He just makes scoring look so effortless on offensively. His defense was terrible and that could just, be the system he played in New Orleans. Like, obviously, he was better with Derek Favors on the floor than he was, like, when he had to play center himself or when he played alongside Jackson Hayes. So it'll be interesting to see how that part of his game progresses. But I'd say what we saw of Zion barely scratched the surface because, obviously, he was coming off of an injury, right? So he will probably be more athletic if he reaches – um once he reaches like the peak of his powers. Yeah. He, I, yeah. He, his handles were insane at Duke. Like that was one of the things that like popped out. If you watched his highlight packages and all that stuff was just how he could beat guys off the dribble, even in like confined spaces, which is rare for a six, nine guy, let alone a guy who weighs like 250 pounds, but his handles looked loose when he started playing regular season NBA basketball. And, I don't blame him for that. Like that's obviously just cause he was rusty, but that just goes to show like how much better he could be possibly too. Mm -hmm. The only thing that worries me about Zion Williamson is that oh. exactly like, yeah. I think we're in his prime right now. Like I, I think like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to be better than he is right now. Four years from now. Yeah. Which is scary. But I think, I think we're going to yes. be seeing Zion's best basketball within the next three years. Yeah. And that's just, why I had to put Tatum ahead of him. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know. I, I'll never count him out, but I don't know if his um, frame can sustain like the, the amount of athleticism he has right now. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. But it's still remarkable that he can do the things that he does at his height and weight. For sure. And I will never be one of the people who is like, saying that Zion should lose a ton of weight because 
like part of the reason he's so dominant is because he's big and athletic and that's just such an unreal combination yeah i saw pictures of him he's like leaned down a little bit but he's still massive yeah he's still very big he's i think zion star is gonna burn fast and bright though and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing i just think it's something to be aware of if you're the pelicans especially considering he he could be like a dwight howard Mm -hmm. yeah like a dwight howard or a Obviously, Shaq had a long career, probably a lot longer than it needed to be, but mm-hmm. his prime was over pretty quickly. Yeah, I think what makes Zion so special is his ability to pop off. Like, like a lot of times, I feel like he because he, he's played at such a high level his whole entire life that he wasn't phased in his debut or debut or anything. And even though it was a slow start, he just like he stuck with it and he eventually just started hitting shots like it, yeah. he didn't force anything and that like shows a lot of maturity i think he's like really yeah. mature for his age absolutely um and but, i don't really i don't really think that shooting is going to be too much of a thing going forward like no the, yeah the four threes yet were just a flash in the pan but yeah yeah he's definitely is not afraid of the big moment because mm-hmm. he's been under the bright lights his entire life so he's was a pretty, scary player yeah, it was pretty easy to include him in the top three. Yeah, I'll, he, I'll, I'll give you mine, and then you can do your top five player yeah. or, or your lineup or whatever. So mine, I didn't really do a specific order, but I guess I could. I think that um, I so I had Jason Tatum on my list for mm-hmm. sure, and then I had Ja and Donovan Mitchell, and so wow, no yeah. Luca, huh? No Luca. No, I just so like I picked Donovan Mitchell because I just think he is so athletic and for some reason he's just I don't know, he's just a freak show and he can do everything well. Every time that I watch him playing the Warriors, he shreds them. Every single time and the announcers just like marvel over his abilities. I just think he's super good and I feel like he's not talked about nearly mm-hmm. as much as he should be. Mhm. I don't know. And then I go with Jog just because he's, he's kind of, I don't know, he's like almost a little Zion, <laughs> but he can, he's super, I just think he's super good and he's really fun to watch and he's must watch TV. Like if yeah. the Grizzlies are playing, I'll just tune in to see him ball out. All right. The thing I would push back a little bit on in terms of Donovan Mitchell is can we both agree that Luke is better than him right now? Yeah. And so what, categories do you think donovan mitchell will improve on at, throughout his career that will push him past Luka? i don't know it's just I, there's no like i don't i obviously don't think he's like as good as luca but there's just something about him that i just really like watching him play yeah he's exciting all the dunks playing above the rim like mm-hmm. he's he's cool for sure yeah and but jason tatum is like he it's like itself like he's a he's a baller he's awesome yeah yeah but and then yeah, there's no, I'm like I don't know like a bunch about basketball, but I know enough to know that these guys are super good. And I mean, I don't really have a lot of analysis on it, like you do, you know, because I feel like you already spoke a lot like on Jason Tatum and like Jaw. I don't know people. He's won the Rookie of the Year, so I mean, kind of speaks for itself. So I don't know. I just really like those three guys, and I think they'll be here to. I think they're gonna be staples in the nba for a long time 100 percent for sure <laughs> you just don't like donovan mitchell 
I, it's not that I don't like him. I, I just can't justify saying he's better than Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm just saying you like a better you, prospect. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not putting any like ranking on here. I'm not saying that he's better than Luka. I'm just saying that I think he's going to be a megastar in the future. There's obviously going to be more than three megastars in the NBA. Yep. <laughs> Why don't you like Donovan? It's not. Should we move on to our uh, starting? Oh lineup? my god! You're a hater, dude. This is the beginning. This is literally the beginning of our our arguments because, um, yeah, you just don't think that the Warriors are gonna succeed next year. Well, define success. Huh? Define they're gonna win the. T- they're gonna win. They're gonna win next year. Yeah. Then no, I don't think they're gonna. <laughs> If that's what success means, then most definitely not. Dude, they're literally the like the best team in basketball. We can. Do you want it? We should get to that at the end of the podcast. Dude, they're literally okay. Whatever. Let's say that. Who's, who, okay. Can I give you my starting lineup for now, though? Sure. We started this off so bad. You don't think Donovan Mitchell is going to be a star? I do. I think he's already a star. He yeah he is, but I feel like not. He doesn't get talked about a whole bunch. I think he's already a star. I just don't really see him. I don't think he's going to be an all-NBA first-team guy. All-NBA first-team. Maybe one or two all-NBA second-teams if he's lucky throughout his career. Mm. Yeah. But all three of the guys I mentioned are potential MVP candidates, and I don't really see that for, like, Donovan, you know? Mm-hmm. You think Jaws an MVP candidate eventually? Possibly, yeah. I know that Jason Tatum is like the most locked. Yeah, Jason, in here. I think so. Yeah, I think Jason Tatum is an MVP candidate as soon as next year. Yeah, I think that I would have Donovan Mitchell over Dame. So <laughs> my starting lineup, I decide like I obviously wanted a well balanced team that, um, <laughs> that I. <laughs> that I thought could measure up offensively and defensively. So I don't know how you did yours, but for mine, so I, I'm just going to like ignore what I just said. What did you just say? Huh? What did you just say? The, I would have Donna Mitchell over Damian Lillard. You have no comment. Yeah, no comment. But anyway, for, for my, for my starting lineup, I don't know how um, you did yours, but I decided like there were two possible routes I could have seen. One was just like make an all-star team with a bunch of like mega stars, but I decided to go a different route and just sort of put a team together that I thought could like play well together and was maybe like not realistic, but sort of like not, it would have been just too easy to say like LeBron, Giannis, Harden, Steph, and just yeah. Rattle off all stars, so I put together. But that wouldn't really work, though. Under like all those guys are like, they are all they all want the ball, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think they'd work together. But anyway, I'm just gonna go off and kind of like go by position. Okay, so Mm -hmm. for my point guard, obviously, like the point guard would ideally be like the head of your offense, and so that's exactly what I kind of went for. The guy I chose is young, but he's already got pretty much every trick in the book offensively. He's a great playmaker, which we haven't. He's a great playmaker, and he plays on one of the worst teams in the NBA. So think about what he could do with one with some um, 
with some good teammates, he can score like crazy. Donovan Mitchell? No, he no. He's a just an all around superstar on offense. The defense has been terrible, and that's Trey Young. Oh yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. So I think he's going to be obviously the head of my offense. He's an elite. Trey scorer. Young, you would pick Trey Young out of all the guys in the league to be my point guard. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying he's the best point guard, but I know. Just I'm, I'm interested of, to hear the rest of your team. For the sake of this exercise, um, he's obviously like one of my one of my um, one of my favorite players too, which is part of the reason why I picked him. And obviously, he's terrible defensively, but he's never really been on a team with other good defenders. He's never been on a team that was trying to play competitive basketball. Mm-hmm. And so, if he was on a team that was actually competing. Like, obviously, if you're competing for a playoff spot, competing, like, to go to the NBA Finals, you're going to try harder. He's never really been in a situation like that. I'm not saying yeah. he's going to be a good defender. I'm not saying he's going to be an average defender, but can he be a bad <laughs> defender? Yeah, I think he could be a bad defender, because right now he's literally probably one of the five worst defenders at the guard position in the league. But I think if he just goes... Tell from, me how you really feel. <laughs> I think if he just goes from being a terrible defender to a bad defender, I think that could be a big improvement. And I think if you kind of surround him with other good defenders, the way sort of the Warriors did with Curry. Like, obviously, Curry is a much better defender than Trey Young, but he's, like, not an awesome defender. But the Warriors were able to surround him with a great defensive team so he didn't get picked on, you know? And mm-hmm. so that's kind of what my idea was when I built around Trey Young. I feel like he I, could hold his own, though. Yeah, and I don't even know if I'd go that far, but um, I he <laughs> I just don't want him to turn into a plastic bag out there. But I think he's going to be an awesome focal point for my offense, dude. This man hates. How am I hating? I literally could have picked any point. Oh no, no, I'm talking about offense. Steph can hold his own. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought I, you I, said I, I, thought I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, we weren't oh, on the no, same page I, here. I thought you were talking about Trey Young. No, 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 no. Yeah, Steph Curry can hold his own, especially yeah. these days. When he, was like, when he was, like, young and a little smaller, it was a little iffy, but definitely, like, the past few years, he's really improved. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, my point guard is Trey Young. For the shooting guard, I obviously needed a good defender. This is going to be the guy who guards the best um, – this is this is going to be the guy who defends the best guard on the opposing team, and so I went with Dylan Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies. Your team's going to suck so bad. Like, if my team and your team played, there it would be an absolute like complete domination. <laughs> Maybe, but anyway, I wanted a guy who was a ball stopper who plays really hard. And physically, and that's definitely Dylan Brooks. He gets into guys. He fouls a little bit too much, especially in terms of like reach and fouls. You might want to see that decrease, but I think that's just a symptom of how hard he plays, which is like something you need if you're pairing a shooting guard with Trey Young. On offense, is his shot selection perfect? Obviously, it's not. Like he shoots way too many contested twos, contested long twos off the dribble. Hopefully, he won't do that when he's on my team. <laughs> but um, he's definitely a guy who I can count on to oh, get wait. an open shot. 
Another thing and, Dylan Brooks is really good at is driving really hard to the basket and then, um, like, missing. <laughs> yes, that's true. But that's basically what I remember from Oregon. Really good player, but drives so hard to the basket and then it just ricochets right off the rim. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, though, I think Dylan can be a good fit with Trey, especially defensively. Offensively, he probably won't need to do too much. I might even like, depending on who's guarding him, like obviously you would expect the opposition to throw their best defender at Trey. I wouldn't mind at the end of the shot clock seeing Dylan take some guys one-on-one. I might, that might be a thing for us. And then our, <laughs> and then our small forward, the number one thing I want from one of my forwards is to be able to guard elite level wings. Like this doesn't matter during the regular season. And obviously teams like the Thunder and Nuggets and even the Blazers are proof that you don't really need an elite wing defender to have an awesome regular season team. But when we make the finals or the conference finals and we're going up against guys like LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi, Paul George, you really need that physical, big, athletic defender who can like compete with those guys. And there aren't very many of those in the league, but I think OG Ananobi is one of them. And that's who my small forward is. OG is probably one of my most underrated players in the NBA. And that's because I think he's a top five defender in the NBA and a top two or three isolation defender, maybe even top one, but let's just say top three. I think he can stick with anybody. He's strong. He's crazy athletic. And on the offensive end, he can't do too much, but you at least have to guard him because he hits open threes at a consistent enough percentage. And so I don't think he's going to be a liability offensively. But just know OG is going to be taking like the toughest defensive assignment every night. Nobody's going to be running over my team. And it's like LeBron... LeBron, when, like, obviously LeBron's going to get his, but it's not like he's going to. Oh, be LeBron's able to, on your team, too? No. I'm Uh-oh. just saying, he, I'm just saying, like, he wouldn't be able to go off against my mm-hmm. team because mm-hmm. we have OG. And so, yeah, that's who my small forward is. For power forward, I wanted a hustle guy who was switchable because obviously what we saw with Steph and the Warriors and Draymond and Iggy was when they were at the peak of their powers, their defense was... What do you mean? What do you mean peak of their powers? Like in 2016, 2017, when they were like... 2019, 20, and then the 2021 season? Possibly. Well, that's a wait and see on that. But um, anyway, their defense was just so switchable. And they pretty much won through five, which won't be the case on my team, but pretty much won through five on the Warriors could switch. Like Draymond couldn't guard can guard like the point guard of the other team and hold up just fine. And that's why I chose for my power forward. I went with Pascal Siakam. I saw that coming. Yeah. Cause just, just just a quick guy who can get out and transition and kind of run with Trey, maybe even, maybe even run some pick and roll with Trey young, possibly. Actually, I think, yeah, that could work too. And just our defense is going to be so good. Like, even though we have Trey Young, our defense is going to be so good. And so that's pretty much why I went with Pascal. Just the switchability combined with um, with the pace of play and energy he'll bring is going to really help us. And then for the center, I went with Brooke Lopez. 
I think Brooke Lopez is the second best rim protector in the league behind only Rudy Gobert. And obviously a rim protector is... What about Hassan? No. What about your boy Hassan? It hurts me that I have to put Brooke ahead of Hassan. <laughs> um, rim protection is probably the most important strength the center can have, and Brooke Lopez has that in spades. He, his shooting declined this year, and it was pretty bad but I don't really think we'll be asking him to do that much. He can set solid screens, which will really open up the offense for Trey Young. And so I just think Brooke Lopez makes a lot of sense. And then for me, filling out a good bench player is all about archetypes. Like, obviously, there are very few bench players in the NBA who are all-around awesome players because if they were all-around awesome players, they'd be starters. So when you're looking for good bench players, you really want them to have like one or two really good skills. And one of those skills that I think is especially important is just a guy who can create his own shot and shoot from pretty much anywhere on the floor, off the dribble, catch and shoot, on the move, it doesn't matter. And that's Bogdan Bogdanovich is the guy who I took for my team from the Kings. Bogdan Bogdanovich is kind of in the mold of like a Lou Williams yeah sort of guy like jamal crawford that archetype just like i said just someone who can get their own shot the reason i chose him over lou williams is a i think he's a better shooter especially three-point shooter i well yeah he's obviously a better three-point shooter but um also defensively bogdan is a guy who i consistently think gets underrated on defense he he gets that sort of I guess that white European label of a guy who just is overwhelmed athletically on defense, but Bogdan's a big guy. Like he's not, he doesn't get like overwhelmed when he has to guard guys who may be faster or quicker than him. He can stay in front yeah. of his guys. And yeah, so I like him. Yeah, for sure. I play with him on two K. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so he's my sixth man. And then the other guy, the other like archetype, or role player I like to have is a hustle guy. He is going to come in and bring a spark plug and add energy to the game. So I picked Brandon Clark of the Memphis Grizzlies. He's a guy. I have no idea. The Grizzlies yeah. are kind of stacked. I feel like they've got a lot of young talent. Yeah, they're so good. Because the Brooks is on the Grizzlies, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's that one dude, Jackson? What's his name? Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson, yeah. I almost picked him instead of Brandon Clark, but I thought that would just be too overpowered my team would be why so, why wouldn't you just pick really good players well i wanted to keep it somewhat realistic mine's not well i'm excited to hear about your all team. right ready you got it, yeah. the best the best shooting um tandem ever in the history of the nba stephen well, curry and clay thompson oh i'm i thought <laughs> you were gonna go with damon cj for a second but no dude dame is not even he honestly shouldn't even have been a two uh, K cover athlete. Like he didn't even do much this year, honestly. Like, <laughs> okay, so I got Steph because he's the best point guard in the NBA. Like by leaps and bounds. Like it's not even close. Like defensively, like top five. Um, I agree. He's Can I just say something? The, the last time we saw Damian Lillard and Stephen Curry both healthy at the same time, Stephen Curry was the best point guard in the NBA. Damian Lillard 
took that title from him this year. Like, obviously, nobody mm-hmm. would argue that Damian Lillard was the best mm-hmm. point guard of this season. Yep. It'll be interesting to see if Stephen Curry can, like, regain regain that honor mm-hmm. next year. Because I think if Stephen Curry comes out and plays like we know he can, he'll, he can get back to being the best point guard. But mm-hmm. I think right now that has to be game. Yeah, I don't think so. But, yeah, Steph is definitely the best point guard in the league. And then you got Clay Thompson. He's going to come back stronger than ever. It does, his injury is not even going to affect him. He's fine. He's had like a whole year to recover, and he's the best doctors in the world, you know. And then we got uh, our boy Jason. And then I just went. I just went with um, some centers that are pretty versatile. Um, so I or I don't even know is uh, Anthony Davis. He's a center, kind of. Yeah. 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 He's a center, and I got Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid. Anthony Davis plays power forward, but he's like sort of he can play center too. Yeah, so I got Steph Clay, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, and then the best defender <laughs> coming out of the bench, the best defender in the league. Probably best defender to ever step foot on a basketball court. <laughs> Draymond Green. <laughs> and then um and then just for a little moral support, a little bench action, we got Jordan Poole, probably best shooter in the NBA. <laughs> best shooter best mustache in the nba i think when he has it he's not afraid to shoot you need those guys that just um do not care if they're shooting 0.1.0015 from behind the arc <laughs> you just need guys that'll take shots and he, he showed improvement through the end of the year and he'll probably and i just that's a that's a good team i think and my team would probably steamroll through years <laughs> probably I think that that's a solid team. You got guys that can play like Joel Embiid, probably. I don't know. Joel Embiid is. He's very versatile. And he can shoot, and he can. He's a good rim protector. I you think. don't want him to shoot, though. He can if he wants to. <laughs> and Anthony Davis hits threes, too. He can. He can. But, but yeah, you don't really need shooting. much when you have um, Steph and Clay. No. And then Jason Tatum's good. Yeah, Jason Tatum's pretty good. Yeah, but that's my team. What do you think? What thoughts? Oh, and then you, yeah. Oh, but I was thinking maybe Patrick Beverly coming off the bench too, just to get in people's yeah. heads. I think I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I just like, like I feel like... The Patrick Beverly... Draymond combo <laughs> that would be too <laughs> be much very interesting. <laughs> yes um but in terms of who which team would win out of ours I'm pretty sure mine would destroy you maybe I think we'll we definitely have a little bit more chemistry we definitely have less egos less mm-hmm. less distractions off the court yeah but since Steph is probably the best point guard in the NBA and he's so respected throughout the league, he can just tame all those guys. Oh, and then Steve Kerr is going to be our coach, best coach that's ever stepped foot on a basketball floor. Probably best team, best player that's ever been on the Chicago Bulls. Right? I think that's fair. Yeah, pretty fair. But yeah. Oh, by the way, I didn't include this, but... I decided I wanted to have the best coach in the NBA. <laughs> and so I decided to go with Nick Nurse. He's pretty savage. He's really good. Um, 
Because hmm? Nick Nurse will just throw a variety of defensive looks at you and probably confuse Steph Curry <laughs> and just throw your offense through a loop. And so uh-huh. that's why that's why I think that'll be a big X factor. I want to have a debate here. So you you genuinely think Damien you think Damien's better than Steph? He was better than Steph this year. Steph, didn't, Steph didn't play. Right, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like Steph was injured and sat out the entire year. Dame had the best statistical year of his career. Damian Lillard took the crown of best point guard in the NBA. If Steph I think he's the back, best point guard in the NBA. Yeah, he was this year. If Steph comes back and plays like he did before he got injured, then Steph will regain that crown. But right now, the best point guard in the NBA is Damian Lillard. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I think he is too. <laughs> he's so good. What game was that when he was uh, – who were they playing? When he was just going off. That's pretty much all of his games. <laughs> was it the Rockets? He went off a few times against the Rockets this year. Yeah, I love that. I love Russell. He got his first career triple-double. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I just yeah. hate Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I guess there's something we can agree on. Yeah. I also don't really like Paul George. I'm pretty neutral towards PG-13. I just hate how much of a follower he was when he, him and Russ, uh, Russ were on the um, Thunder. Yeah. Like just because Russ was being a dick to the press, Paul George was like piggybacking alongside him on it, which was kind of annoying. Like that's so rude, but whatever. I just think that Russell Westbrook, I don't know what to think of that guy. He, he has flashes of niceness, but I just feel like he's kind of, I don't know. What do you think? About him on or off the court? Off the court, for sure. Oh, yeah. He definitely seems, at best, entitled. And <laughs> probably he's just kind of like an asshole, basically. <laughs> yeah. I think so, too. Dude, what's up with... Um, this is not a good segue, but Chris Jones got a massive contract, and then they're working on Miles Garrett... Or are they are they are they finalized Miles Garrett's deal too? Like that, where are the Chiefs getting all this cash from? What do you mean? Like, like how are like I feel like they can't pay too many more. They can't pay much more people. Like well, I mean, the like because of Patrick Mahomes' contract. Mm-hmm. Well, I but think that Chris to- Jones is a good is is good to lock up because I feel like interior defenders. Yeah, and that's really- that's kind of why they're stacking up right now. Is because Patrick Mahomes like still has two years left on his rookie deal before his mm-hmm. extension sort of kicks in, and so it's important like for them to spend all the money they can before they have to like devote a ton of their salary cap to Patrick Mahomes. You know? Yeah, he he's so good though. He messed up the Super Bowl, even though you didn't watch the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. Rec league basketball always takes priority. What was your guys' team name? I couldn't tell you were you guys pretty good we started out good we were four and four we won our first four games then lost our next four and we missed the playoffs by one game that sucks it did it was a bummer yeah the rec league and i i wasn't expecting like there's actually some really good athletes yeah for sure did you have a stud on your team you mean besides me yeah just yeah like who was number two no, I wasn't even. I wasn't number one. Uh, there, were, <laughs> I was. 
Yeah, we had a few good kids. We 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 had some shooters on our team. So we we were lighting we were lighting the from beyond the arc. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. But no one in the history of life can hit threes hit deeper threes than Jonah Willard. Yeah, I mean Curry, yeah, you have no shot. Steph Curry doesn't come close. If anybody came close, it would be Dane. But you can you can pull up from wherever. Anywhere on the floor, as long as you're on the floor, it's a shot. Like (laughs) he gets a rebound and then just flings it across the court. I'll never forget when you beat Jaron, bro. Remember that? Huh? Jaron. What's his name? Huh? Jared. Jared. Jaren. I'm drawing a blank. Was, Wait, oh, what? Shoot. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I, you're surprised. Were you surprised? Are you surprised by that? Huh? No. Well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that was. Dude, why did I just rethink my entire life? I was saying his name, and you're drawing a blank. I'm like, is that his name? Oh, I mean, I I didn't really know, but. Yeah, he was. It's not like he's good at basketball, so it's that was not the stiffest of competition. <laughs> okay, this, probably, this isn't the most interesting podcast content, though. No, it's not. No. Oh, yeah, <laughs> about how I won a game of one-on-one three years ago. Yeah, no, but that was just really surprising because no one counted you in on that. No yeah, one thought you were going to win that. That well, you, were the, you were the only one there, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't even close. Wait, was there close. was a few other people there. I thought it wasn't even close. I probably beat him like eleven to three or eleven to four, right? Yeah, like, I you, really... kept it, you were just pulling up, and he wasn't even playing. Yeah, you didn't think you could drain the threes. But moving on, it doesn't matter. Um, but I think that our teams would have done pretty well. But yeah, do you want to talk about golf at all? Yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. Um. Not much to talk about because it's just like the same course as last time. Yeah. But what I'm really excited to kind of talk about is the guy who I think will win this week. And that's Tiger Woods. Yeah, I think Tiger could pull it out, dude. I don't know. Coming back for the first time since the PGA Tour took its break. The thing about Tiger is he's just comfortable at this course. Like he's won here a million times at Mirfield Village. He's won the Memorial Tournament several, several times. And just he hits his iron so well, which is probably the most important skill you could have to play at Mirfield. And the question mark with Tiger, besides injuries, which I think he's doing fine with, the question mark about his play will always be his driver. But from what we've seen, like obviously this isn't much to go off of, but when he played that match against like Peyton Manning and Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, and then he was hitting his driver good then. And it's not like you need to pull driver at every hole on Mirrorfield. Like Justin Thomas proved that last week. I think Tiger Woods is going to be in perfect shape to contend this weekend. And I think he gets it done. Yeah. I'll never count Tiger out. No, you can't. You can never count him out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, So it's the same course, right? Right. Yeah. They'll probably change it a little bit. Like they'll, for sure grow out the rough and like the green will be faster as well as different pin positions. But yeah, the similar course. Yeah. So that's it. Do you just think Tiger's going to win? I think Tiger's going to win. 
Do you want me to just name some more players who I think are interesting from like a betting or fantasy golf standpoint? I'll if just you want to. I'll just like drop a couple of names. We don't have to spend any time on them. I think Victor Hovland's another interesting play just because of how well he's been doing recently. I always love Victor Hovland. Yeah, and then Kevin Streelman for like a discount play. I think he's in great form. He loves this course. I think should be a good fit. And then. The last guy that I'm very interested in for this week is Daniel Berger because you're getting a good yeah. price on him. He's been one of the best players since the tour has come back. I see no reason why he won't play well this weekend. And so that's about it for PGA. Should yeah. we talk some UFC? If he wants to. I love how we were talking about NBA for so long. And then it was like, I, for some reason, I just thought about like the contracts and I went to that and then went to golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we should circle back to the nba yeah we have to circle back to the nba because we have like i want we have some like things i want to talk about because like i obviously think that the warriors are gonna win the um championship next year or this upcoming year they could honestly if they came back healthy now they would just they would sweep everybody so they would literally go undefeated probably i don't think there's a team that can really contend with the warriors right now Besides themselves, like as long as they don't get, as long as they're there mentally, there's no one that is really. I mean, I, I see him blowing everyone out by at least 20 points. And Clippers, nothing. Lakers, soft. Bucks, they literally just have one good player on their team. Um, <laughs> besides that, yeah, oh, the, the Blazers, probably the most overrated team. They're reliant upon two players. Um, 76ers, just full of attitudes. Joel Embiid, even though I have him on my team, he wasn't, he didn't have too good of a season, right? No. no. I mean, not for, not by his standards. Yeah. And yeah, I just think that the Warriors would run through everybody in the league, but, but we're, we're going to talk about UFC a little bit, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, did you do any, did you do any research? Not as much as last time, but I've got five picks again. Mm-hmm. I definitely um, spent the most time on. Should we start with the uh, headliner for this one? Yeah. Who do you Which think is going to win? Cater against Ige, right? Yeah. And so I actually went with the upset for this one. I went with David Ige. Damn, and, dude. Yeah, I love, I love him. And that's just because the last two fights you've been in right haven't they both been decisions uh yeah his and they've been close decisions against really good fighters and what that tells me is just david Ige's no pushover like he's a good fighter he can stay competitive with like really good opponents and yeah that's facts and like he's such a big underdog like he's like yeah. plus 250 i see no reason why a guy who has stood up to similar competition as Calvin Cater should be such a big underdog, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I think I think he's a massively underrated, so I'm going to pick him. Yeah, plus he's from Hawaii, so you can't count him out. But I really like Dan Ige in that fight because he his last fight was against Edson Barboza. I didn't really know who he was before, but Edson was a – he's like a legend in the lightweight division, and then he moved down to, in, to 145 to fight him to fight Danny Gay and it was kind of controversial because Edson started off fast but he he quickly like tapered off throughout the fight and Dan 
showed his power and was hitting him with some clean shots. And so I, I like Danny. I think he's a scrapper and he, he plays to, he understands that he's not a freak athlete. So he has to work on everything, you know, he, cause like, I feel like some guys get reliant upon certain things, even though you have to be well-rounded to be like successful in the sport, but some guys fall in love with stuff and they want to stay there. And he understands that he is really, he's small for the division and he's a, and he just, he, the, I think the bet, the best thing, in his tool belt is his power. He has like really heavy hands. So I think he, I don't, I think everybody's counting him out in this fight because Calvin Cater is everybody's dark horse in the, in the featherweight division. But I think Danny Gay is a good, is a good pick. Even though I think it's going to be a grinder though, because Calvin Cater is kind of a beast and he gets stronger as the fight goes on. He fought Zabit. Magomed, Magomed Sheripov and um, Zabit was killing him in the beginning but when you get like these really explosive fighters that do all this crazy stuff and they like taper off he I think Cater he's gonna if he wins and gets into fight like it's gonna be really interesting to see this fight because I feel like both guys are pretty good as the um, fight goes on so if someone doesn't get stopped early and this goes into the, this is a potentially like a I think that this could be a fight of the year candidate if like, it goes off five rounds. And when it's close enough to be considered a, even like as a possibility for maybe being like a fight of the year caliber, it's sort of ridiculous to see one guy as such a big underdog that he'd be considered like plus 250, right? Like that just seems like way too long of odds. He, he has a definite shot in this fight. Yeah. And because he fought... Edson Barboza is an absolute beast and he held his own. And I, f- I feel like Edson Barboza could, he would compete with anybody in the 145 pound division, even like Max Holloway. I think Max would probably beat him though, but oh my gosh, I'm getting blown up. Do you want to talk about Max Holloway for a little bit? Oh, brother. Yes. I have a humongous rant. The judging is absolutely what even is a word like to describe how shitty the judging is in the ufc controversial yeah controversial it it's well it's not even it's just downright ass bro like they are so bad okay there was one for example no, no one really cares about this fight but there's a um there was a prelim fight between He's my new favorite fighter. I'll have to I'll have to look it up. It was against, it was against Pi, Pi, uh, Howley and Paiva ended up winning the fight, but I have to look up this guy's name. Okay, yeah. Jalgas Jumagulov. He won that fight, bro, and no one's even talking about it. And he got he got hit in the nuts twice. You should get pointed for that shit. That's unacceptable. And Paiva was like, ugh. I didn't even hit him. Like he was like, look at the replay, bro. We did look at the replay and your foot went straight in, or his knee. It was either his knee or his foot went straight into his cup. So annoying, but I really like Jalgas. It was his um, debut and he is really fast. Good wrestler. It's not surprising though, that he's really good. Cause he's literally the champion in the um, promotion he came from, but that was one robbery just because you want to propel another fighter just because he's the 14th ranked um flyweight yeah i think it's full no it's bantamweight yeah no wait what the 
I am confused. I think it was. They are flyweights. Yes, they are flyweights. And he even missed weight too, dude. You shouldn't even fight if you miss weight. That's the whole point of your job. Come on, man. There should be better judges. People that have mixed martial arts background need to be judges. Because if you don't know anything, just because you took a couple classes, that should not make you a qualified judge. Also, Alexander Volkanovsky should not be the featherweight champion of the world. Max Holloway is the featherweight champion of the world. And for him to even, for him to even, for these words to even come out of his mouth is absolutely ridiculous for him to tell max holloway that he needs to work through the rankings again just to get up another fight with him that is absolute bullcrap considering the fact that he whooped your ass son for five rounds it was it was um there were two knockdowns in the first two round in the first two rounds yes right and third round close max beat him fourth round the fourth and fifth rounds were so close anyway like Ah, so annoying, dude. How could you even say that he has to work his way up through the rankings when he literally beats you? Are you kidding me? Stop it. God. No one even likes... I I feel kind of bad for Alexander Volkanovsky because he's catching so much hate, you know? Because no one wants him to be champion because they know who the real champ is. How can the best 145-er to ever walk the face of the planet not have the belt? That is just ridiculous. But you know what? It's going to be more fun because the next person – dude, the only thing I'm hoping for is if Alexander Volkanovsky loses his next title fight, that means that Max Holloway will step in. That's that's the only way I see it happening because I can't see the UFC making a third fight with Alexander and Max if um, – if, since uh, Max literally lost twice to him, but he won. So thoughts, Jonah? What did you think about the judging? You think it was okay? The judging, I don't think I'm really qualified to give too much criticism. I know you picked Volkanovski, but what do you think? I did pick Volkanovski. I thought Holloway controlled the fight, and you could see throughout that he definitely was maybe doing like a little bit better than Volkanovski was. But then when you go and look at the numbers and like, Numbers do not. Uh, just because he landed more strikes doesn't mean they were significant. I know, but I'm. And who's even I, judging that? And I'm not even. I'm not even using that as a defense. I'm just saying, if somebody were to like try to give an explanation as to why Volkanovski won the fight, like it probably yeah. part of it has to be just the raw numbers, even if that's yeah. an unfair way to decide. Mm-hmm. Just Max pieced him up for the first two rounds. Like no doubt about it. For sure. And then third round tight, fourth round arguably max, fifth round arguably max. Stop it. How could he win the first two rounds and then not get one round later in the fight? Come on. Especially when Alexander was pushed to the point where he knew he couldn't stand on the feet with Max because Max was just piecing him up. And then he he started shooting t- uh, he started shooting and Max was stuffing his takedowns and then he lands a couple. He he gets he um, takes Max down a couple times, but it's not like he does anything with him because Max's hips are so strong he gets right back up to his feet. In order for this takedowns to be significant, I think you have to land at least a little bit of damage. You have to hurt your opponent. If you just take him down, you're not doing anything. If anything, it's more tiring for the person taking him down using their wrestling. It takes more energy to take someone down than it is to get back to your feet, I think. Yeah. 
I mean, it was controversial for sure. It was okay. Like I can see, since it's a, it was a close fight, you can't necessarily say it's a robbery, but it was. That's all I have to say. Judging in the UFC needs to change, bro. It's embarrassing. You can't be considered the the pinnacle of the sport and then have a corrupt judging system. Like that doesn't work. But I mean, I guess the NFL is like that and the refs screwed the Niners out of a Super Bowl. So, it's what it is what it is. It is what it is, you know. Just because there's a little George Kittle barely even touched. I don't even know who it was. It doesn't even matter. But for him to get a pass interference call called on him. So ticky-tack, bro. So lame. And the Chiefs were holding all game. All game. You wouldn't know because you didn't watch because you don't care because you don't have an NFL team. But, yeah, it was it was a very frustrating game to watch. I'm just very – there's a lot of things that don't go my way, you know, sports-wise. <laughs> God. Yeah, I'm not, imagine being a 49ers fan and a Warriors fan. Probably God, terrible. Really tough half-decade for you. Dude. Are you kidding? Yeah, I guess. But the Niners have not been good for the past couple of years. They have been really good, but they just haven't been able to put it together. Not to mention duck football has been terrible. <laughs> Ow. You have it are, so you even, are you trying to start something? No, I'm being sarcastic. Oh, yeah. You literally have it so easy as a sports fan. The Ducks got kind of like, they didn't. They had two years where it wasn't too hot. Yeah, for sure. They got destroyed. Remember when they got destroyed? I was like, Dad, watch Oregon. They're going to hold their own against Washington. Nope. 70 <laughs> points. The Beavs <laughs> even beat them one. The Beavs even beat them one time. Yeah. Uh, I was talking. I miss what? Like Marcus McMarion. Remember him? He was at Fresno State. Mm-hmm. He was so good. That's such a shame that they got rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Or that he transferred away. Yeah. I'm sure it was Gary Anderson just didn't have um, the brain power to put up an uh, offense that would actually like compliment him instead of just handing the ball off to your best running back until they get hurt. That's pretty much their strategy. And then McMarion was awesome at Fresno State. Yeah, I know. He led them to like a couple nine-win seasons, right? Yeah. Yeah. So annoying. I, that's pretty much the Beavers' game plan, though. Whoever's your best player, give it to them until they get hurt. Pretty much. You saw oh. it with Jaquiz. You saw it with James. But you it with Jamar. Now, last year it started to be a little different. Like last year mm-hmm. was the most balanced the Beavers have been like between the run and pass game in a while. Off, yeah, offensively, defensively, yeah. soft. Yeah. But yeah, the Beavers are. The, I like the Beavers because they're scoring points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that's why I went to the Utah game because I they, was like, Dad, they're going to upset Utah. Nope. They played entertaining football, and it was the first time in like years that you could say that. Yeah. Because they were, they were, even if they were losing, they would still put up points, which is always are, fun. Are you ready to move back to the NBA? If you want to, yeah. Or did, were you going to make predictions for the other four fights? Oh, I wanted to see one more Cody Stamen versus Jimmy Rivera. That's a really good fight. Cody Stamen okay. came out. Uh, he's coming off a really big win against Brian Kelleher. And it's, I've only seen Cody Stamen fight a few times, but he, 
had arguably his like best performance. He looks super duper sharp considering he lost his um, 19 year old brother like that, that week, that fight week. Yeah. Which is crazy. devastating. And he still held his emotions in check and fought his heart out. So I, I think Cody Steam is going to win. Jimmy Rivera is tough though, but I don't know. I, I like Cody Steam a lot. He's a really nice guy. But yeah, those are the two fights that really stand out on the card. I'm just gonna have to watch it. I watch. There's like UFC comes out with stuff that says fighters to watch, mm-hmm. and I watch that, and I I'm kind of ex- it makes you more excited for the fights. But I just think that those to the main event and Cody Stamen fight is gonna be the main. It's gonna be the ones that stand out. But yeah. Right. <laughs> Jonah, Jonah doesn't say anything. I'm just preparing myself to talk about the oh, Warriors. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so. What we have to talk about for the Warriors is initially our expectations for them next year. And then what is going to have to happen this offseason for them to meet those expectations. Just stay healthy. Stay healthy and you got the title. That's it. That's it. It's a pretty simple game plan. Well, I mean, they've already failed the staying healthy challenge. Now it's about how they can bounce back from those injuries and if their guys are as good as we remembered them being a no. What do you mean they- staying healthy? What do, you, what do you mean they failed? Well, I mean, Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson played a combined five games this year. No, yeah, I know that. They but- combined like three games this year. No, I'm saying, but the point of what I'm trying to say is that they need to stay healthy in order to get back on track. Right, but is a healthy Clay Thompson in 2020 the best shooting guard in the NBA? Yes. You think so? Yes. Honestly, though, because I know you want to hate because you're a Blazer fan, but Clay. That's Thompson- not even why. Like, I like Clay Thompson. I think he plays really good basketball i think he's one of the best shooters of all time yes and i think he will be one of the best he's still going to be an insane shooter it's just how how is he going to get the volume of shots that he used to be getting when he doesn't have the same athleticism that he used to because it's hard you don't know that well, we can assume. Like, let's we say assume he, that because you see so many guys come back from ACL injuries just as strong even, as they were. Even if he didn't have the ACL injury, he's thirty-one years old. He was going to start declining athletically eventually. Anyway, the injury is just going to enunciate. He's how that. old? He's thirty. He's going to turn thirty-one during the season. That's not old for a for an NBA player. It's getting old. Yeah, but that's not that old. And the way he plays, I feel like as long as you can shoot, you're solid. You said that about Steph. Right, but in order in order to get off those shots, you need to have at least the baseline of speed and athleticism. Like even if you're not running off screens, you need to have like the strength to separate yourself from the from the like from your defender. Clay Thompson's gonna be fine. And another thing that made Klay Thompson one of the best players in the NBA was how good he was on defense and how he was strong and how he could push himself into the guy he was guarding. Like, there's no way that's going to be the same as it used to be. Like, I I would be surprised 
if he spends the majority of his time guarding shooting guards. Like, I think, he, if anything, you're going to see Clay Thompson playing more small forward on defense just because I don't know if he's going to be quick enough to hang with a lot of the really good shooting guards in the NBA. I just think that he's going to be fine. And you're in, like... I, I hope he is because he's an awesome player to watch when yeah. he, when he was in his prime. I just would be a little bit more skeptical. I think a good thing for this, uh, a funny thing, would if like we um, just did like controversial questions where it's obviously like I have one stance and you have yours, and we just talk about it. Yeah, that's what kind of what we're doing right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's interesting to talk like when people this just is like. This is the first real disagreement we've had on a podcast before. I know. Well, I just think as soon as the Warriors get back to just get back and they're healthy, they're going to be a contender right off the bat again. I think a very good outcome for the Warriors in the 2020-2021 season would be to get home court advantage the first round in the playoffs, to be a top four seed in the West. Because obviously, I think that's a lock. Like, we can both agree that there are three teams that are going to be better than the Warriors. Like, who the, the Nuggets are going to have a better record than the Warriors. The Mavericks are going to have a better record than the Warriors, and that's not to say the Warriors can't beat these teams in the playoffs. Because I think they can. I just don't think the Warriors are going to have too many of their eggs in the winning regular season games basket. You know, like. Do you think Draymond Green cares about winning in the regular season? Do you think Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, after five straight NBA Finals appearances and three rings, do you think they care about winning regular season games? No. No. So, like, I, that's why I don't really think, I don't really think they'll get home court advantage in the playoffs. Can they win a playoff series? Prob- probably. It'll obviously... Like, it's way too early to tell, and it obviously will depend on... What do you mean, probably? They've proved it in the past. Well, I mean, they're pretty much every team in the NBA has won a playoff series. No, 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 no. I'm I'm saying, like, if they were, like, yeah. No, I'm just saying that... what What you're saying is that if the Warriors come back and they're as good as they were when they were 100% healthy, they're a championship contender, and I agree with that. I just think the chance of them being back to that level of excellence is just so small it's almost not even worth thinking about you think like we'll just have to wait and see well for sure but these guys are i can't wait to watch this back in there in the finals (laughs) if if that happens we have to run this clip back but well for sure i cannot wait so do you want to talk about what you want to talk about some ideas we have for the Warriors this offseason and how they could improve? Because sure. they've got their core. They've got, obviously, their cores like Draymond, Clay, Steph, Wiggins. I guess you have to include him in there now. I love him. And then they've got some young guys who, at best, some of them are good, like Eric Pascal. Some of them are projects such as Jordan Jordan Poole, Alan Smoligich, and um, Michael Mulder is actually a guy I really like and I think will play well for him this year. Kai Bowman's good, but I don't know. I like Kai Bowman. I think he can play minutes for him this year. Yeah. So I guess... Oh, and Marquise. Marquise, Chris, yeah. Who'd they get? So they got rid of 
Burks and Glenn Robinson the third. Glenn and, and um, a Spellman. Yeah, they got rid of Armari Spellman and Jacob Evans in that Timberwolves yep. trade. Mm-hmm. Jacob, so I, Jacob Evans never really did much. No, I remember he, them drafting him, but he never really played. He had an awful NBA career. But anyway, oh, and then another guy who we haven't even mentioned yet is uh, Kavon Looney, who I just don't really see him ever making an impact again. Like, <sighs> if it's if it's not one thing with the guy, it's the other. He's always got some sort of injury, yeah. whether it's his back or his... He was logs. a big part of their run, though. When they He was a big part of their run in the... When he was healthy. Playoffs. Yeah. And then he just got injured during the finals. You could see he was in a ton of pain. He never was. He came back for a few games this year. Never even looked close to what we hoped. Well, he yeah, could. but when you're not like in a consistent, when you're not consistently in a game, it's hard to get into a groove. Correct. But I just think if it had been one injury that had been bugging him the whole time, sure. But it's always something different with him. It's, just like his body is just all kinds of out of sorts. I feel like when it's just tough with those guys to like expect anything of them, you know, like you can't really like, you can't really factor in Kavon Looney when you're like making plans for the golden state warriors season, just cause you can't reliably expect him to play, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. That goes for any player that's injury prone though. True. Yeah. Um, I just think that the the Warriors have a lot of good pieces, and if they, uh, so they want to maybe pack, um, get rid of Wiggins and then trade away their, uh, pick their lottery pick. I mean, in a perfect world for the Warriors, let's say somebody like Bradley Beal demands a trade, like we've seen Anthony Davis do, like we've seen Jimmy Butler do. And the Warriors are able to package Andrew Wiggins, their first-round pick, as well as Minnesota's first-round pick, and get said superstar. I don't really see that happening for a I couple reasons. Longe- I want longevity. Yeah, just because I don't really see any superstar demanding a trade. And I don't think the Warriors, if that does happen and a superstar demands a trade, I don't really see the Warriors having the best offer to make another team. Mm-hmm. But... I think there are a few really important questions for the Warriors to address this offseason. And that is, are they going to trade their first round pick? Like it doesn't have to be packaged with Andrew Wiggins for a superstar, but if competing and winning a championship this year is their number one priority, like it makes a lot of sense to try to move on from that pick. It should be. It, it should be. Yeah. And Isn't the goal of every team. Well, no, but but it is the ultimate goal. Yeah, I'm saying if they want to win a championship this year, though. Yeah. Yeah. They will. And so if they prioritize winning this year over, like, having an awesome team 10 years from now, which I think they should, like, you've got freaking Stephen Curry. Like, obviously, you're trying to win as many games as possible right now. Mm-hmm. And if that is the goal, it makes a lot of sense to trade that pick. And then they also have what is it, a $17 million trade exception from the Andre Godala to Memphis deal just sitting there, and that can be used or even combined with their pick to get a very interesting contributor. Yeah. And then say they do hang on to the pick, like then that opens up a whole other can of worms 
about who you draft, who, what. You need a big you, man. Yeah, big man probably. But first, the Warriors are going to be a very expensive team and adding a first round pick, let's say they get the first overall pick. That's another $12 million on your salary book. And that $12 million is going to get taxed because the Warriors are going to be in the luxury tax this year. Their team is crazily expensive. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a matter of like whether the Warriors, like there are so many categories, there are so many different priorities at play. Like, do you want to be cost effective? Do you want to win a championship this year? How much do you value success in the next decade after this one? I think that what they need to do is focus on longevity because if you get a good player, they can complement the players you have now. I think you're an instant contender as it is. So how would you be looking to acquire that player? If you were the Warriors, I would think that you draft him, draft him. And you're, you're a big James Wiseman guy, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And like Toppin. And Toppin. Yeah. If anything, Toppin's more interesting. And that's kind of where I'm at with the words. Like, I think if they fall down to, let's say, four or five in the draft, with five as the lowest they can fall to, obviously, then I think you stay there because I think that's a reasonable range to draft Obi Toppin. And I think Obi Toppin would be a difference maker on the mm-hmm. Warriors. And especially, especially if Draymond Green plays well this year, if Draymond has a good season. Him and Toppin would be a very good front court, and Draymond could obviously be the small ball center, and that obviously wouldn't be your starting lineup. Probably couldn't be your closing lineup against every team, but I think that's a very compelling, um, compelling strategy to use. I think so I, Draymond if, can have a hell of a season this upcoming year. Yeah, he's another one. <laughs> it's just hard to tell. But anyway, if the Warriors get the number one overall pick, I think that becomes a lot more interesting because I don't like James Wiseman for them. I don't like, I don't really like James Wiseman for any team as the number one overall pick. I don't see that he adds that much value. I don't think he adds $12 million worth of value, let alone the value that comes with having the number one overall pick. Mm -hmm. And the thing about that is like, once you draft a guy that player becomes much more harder to trade than the pick itself is. It's sort of like the symptom of, or the scenario of just driving that new car off the lot. If the Warriors, if the Warriors get uh, the number one pick, I don't expect them to take that car off the lot. I would highly expect them to look to trade the pick, most likely packaged with the um, Igadala trade exception, and try to get another contributor. And a guy I really like for the Warriors. And as a car alarm goes off behind me, but a guy I would really like on the Warriors who would fit in that trade exception is Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. And obviously you might be thinking, oh, Marcus Smart is a great young player. Like, why would the Celtics want to trade him? When you've got two awesome wings in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and you've got a very good point guard in Kimball Walker, does Marcus Smart, who is kind of redundant with all of those guys, provide you with more value than a top three pick does? I think that's an interesting question for the Celtics to answer, and I wouldn't. But have you to think say that no. they would trade for Marcus Smart and trade the 
to, uh, a top three pick away. The Warriors? Yeah. I think they'd be lucky to be able to do that. To get Marcus Smart? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, sure. Because this draft sucks. Like, let's call a spade a spade. Like, everybody... In NBA scouts have been saying this for the past like year. There are some good role players and some good value like deeper in the draft. The top five and ten players not very good. There's no, like a five at home run. Very young. There's no Zion. There's no Jaw. And obviously, like probably one of these guys in all likelihood is going to be awesome. Like maybe Lamelo pops off. Maybe Anthony Edwards is really good. Yeah, Lamelo. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, but if you're the Warriors, do you want to take a risk on a guy like that, or do you want to just get Marcus Smart, who's going to be an awesome contributor for your team? How old's Marcus Smart? I think he's only like he's in his mid twenties. He's probably like twenty six or twenty seven. Let me let me do a quick fact check for this. Yeah, I like I like Marcus Smart. I remember him when he was playing at Oklahoma State. Yeah, and he's only 26 years old. He could, like, let's say Clay doesn't come back as strong on defense. Like, Marcus Smart will immediately pick up that slack. He's a, he's a good shooter. He's a great defender. I think he could play with Steph and Clay. Like, Steph, point guard, Marcus Smart, shooting guard, Clay, small forward. I think that's awesome. Like, I love the fit of Marcus Smart with the Warriors. Obviously, like, maybe Boston says no. Maybe Boston and knows what they have, and Marcus Martin doesn't value the pick that highly. If the Warriors can get that done, that's huge. And if huge for Golden State. I, I like I like Wiggins, and I think that if they got Marcus Martin, that would actually be pretty solid. I like Wiggins too. I think Wiggins is going to have the best here. I think what? playing next to Steph is going to be massive for him. And like he doesn't even he doesn't even need to be terrific on. All he needs to do is side defender, and I think he won't he won't be a liability on that end. And then just hit open shots and be a straight line driver on offense. Basically, what you're asking him to do is just be the Harrison Barnes of this team. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's as good on defense as Harrison Barnes was for the Warriors. He was locking up LeBron when they played the Lakers. Mm-hmm. He was. He was playing really good defense. Yeah, but can he do that for 82 games and the playoffs? I don't think I don't so. Know. He's never put together multiple good defensive games in a row, hardly at all throughout his career. He's just been really inconsistent, and that's also because he's never been on a very good team. And obviously the Warriors always are talking about their culture and stuff, and this is going to be a big test if that culture is really as great as we all think it is. And if it if that does turn out to be true, like Andrew Wiggins is going to be like a revelation. Like I honestly, if you're just going to ask me right now, if I think they should trade him, I'm probably going to say no, just because I think Warriors need Kevin Durant. That would just be unrealistic. They need another Harrison Barnes. And I think that could be Andrew Wiggins. And I think Andrew Wiggins could also pick up some of the Andre Iguodala slack where he maybe when like the backups, the bench units in the game, like Andrew Wiggins could spend some time with the ball in his hands, kind of creating offense. Like that's obviously not what he's the best at, but in a pinch you could do worse. 
I, I yeah. I think he could. I really like uh I really like Andrew Wiggins. Like he's almost like a, um, I don't want to say guarantee, but he gets about he gets twenty points like whoa regularly. Whoa. Well, I I I don't know if that's gonna be the case. Well, he probably won't get as many because he uh has to share the ball. Yeah, maybe eleven points a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but who knows though? We if, don't know. I would say if Andrew Wiggins is scoring twenty points a game. I would say that does is not going to be a good sign for the Warriors. You think? Yeah. Who knows? It could be a good sign. <laughs> it probably would mean that Clay is not having the season we would hope. But if they're all shooting really well, maybe. Yeah, I guess so. But when has Andrew Wiggins ever shot really well? I think he's pretty good. He's. Slightly below average catch and shoot, well below average shooting off the bounce. And obviously that's going to change this year when he's playing with Stephen Curry because everybody gets way better when they're playing with Stephen Curry. But let's not pretend Andrew Wiggins is going to turn into like Kyle Korver or anything. (laughs) He's going to be shooting probably like 36, 37% from deep, which is okay. Like that's good. Like I have been saying, like all we need is another Harrison Barnes and the Warriors – We'll be fine with that. Yeah. Do you think that the Warriors would have would have? Um, do you think it was? I mean, obviously, obviously, like this sounds stupid, but obviously, it was good to get KD. But like, at one at some, like, I feel like the Warriors when they didn't when they got KD, it kind of stunk because they were more reliant upon him and one player. It as like when they won the um when it was like the fourteen and fifteen team or whatever or no when it was earlier before like kd when they had like festus azili and guys and guys like that i feel like the warriors were way more i want to say better but i just felt it was more they were just more of a team aspect i don't know yeah that's a hundred percent correct because i feel like they became more vulnerable when they had kd yeah that's yeah, that's not even, like, debatable. That's just a fact. Like, yeah. Katie definitely was, like, ruffling feathers, and it was definitely, like, Katie, like, for better or for worse, it was Katie's team when he took, when he came to Golden State. And I think that's one of, when you, like, look through history, one of the really underrated parts about Stephen Curry, like, how many players on Stephen Curry's level are unselfish enough that they would, like, allow another player to come in and kind of, like, steal the spotlight from them not many yeah and i think that's awesome like stephen curry like deserves so much respect for that and mm-hmm. now we're gonna finally see like stephen curry have his own team again which is going to be super exciting i'm super excited to see what the warriors offense is going to look like this yeah. coming season it just kind of stinks the warriors definitely knew understood that they were in a point where they if they got kd they would win titles but at the same time i feel like after they win or, or after they won, it kind of hurts them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still have good, they still were able to get good players from like KD leaving and stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. You kind of like became a little less um, deep, deep when KD left. Mm-hmm. And part of that was just cause they had to do the sign and trade. Well, they didn't have to, but they did the sign and trade, which obviously like hard capped them and prevented them from using 
minimum contracts and all that stuff to sign guys. So that would be like the big thing. And that was only a handicap for this past season, like in going forward, like that's not going to be an issue anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think that they're going to be solid next year. As long as everything goes right, they're going to be a playoff team probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm scared though, <laughs> but I, I honestly, I can see it either going really well or really bad. Like if they I, start off hot, I see it somewhere in the middle. I think they're just going to be probably like the five or six seed, maybe win a playoff series. And I think that'll be all we can ask from them this year. Mm-hmm. It could be kind of good though, if they have lower expectations and then they just like blow those out of the water. Cause they're usually yeah. always like expected to be. If we're being, if we're being a hundred percent honest, how many Western conference teams do you think are going to be better than the Warriors next year? Zero. Zero. Okay. No, I don't know. Probably like two. The two LA teams. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. I think. And then. Mm, yeah. I mean, the Blazers, the Blazers are really good though. Yeah. The Blazers, and especially next year, it's gonna, the Blazers are going to be tough, but a lot of the same questions, which is another story for another day, but a lot of the same like question marks the Blazers have always had are going to be there next year. Mm-hmm. If the Blazers, dude, imagine if the Blazers had LaMarcus, they'd be so good. Hmm. I don't really know. Not at this point in his career. I don't really know how big of a help he'd be. Yeah, but I feel like they've always just, just like the Warriors, have missed like a dominant big man. The Warriors? Uh, like yeah. Just like the, the Warriors and the Blazers, that's like one thing they have in common. One of the Blazers missed a dominant big man. I mean, I guess not dominant. We've never had a dominant big man, but we've always had really solid big guys. Like who? Like right now, Nurkic before that. Oh, order. yeah, yeah. I, for, I completely forgot. Yeah, they're so good when they have Nurk. Yeah, Nurk's awesome. I can't wait to see him play again. No, yeah, when they don't have him, they're not as good. For sure. I like Nurkic. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, we talked about a lot, I feel like. I know. This was a very strong episode mm-hmm. of All Gear No Game. It was very I like uh, this one because this was like our first debate we've had on I know. the podcast. But we worked out a good resolution too. So it was a more of a happy ending. Mm-hmm. We had a little bit of technical difficulties at the beginning because my freaking mic wasn't on. I know. It was so weird though because when you first, when we first started the Zoom meeting, I could hear you just fine. And then all of a it sudden. Because it was coming through my Mac mic. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But yeah, how long did we go for like an hour and 20 minutes, hour 15. Wow, beautiful. But I've definitely, I think that we need to um, come up with some set segments that we could do. Yeah. I liked the segment you thought of today where we each came up with like our own NBA team. That was super yeah. fun. Yeah, that's cool. And then I think that we should do like a couple debate questions and I'll come up with some. Okay. And you can come up with some that you yeah, know will be controversial. Like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Dope. And then eventually, once we get like good, I think it'd be fun to interview people and have them on. Yeah. Because when you have like uh, 
through uh, more than two people, it's like timed. So it would have to be a shorter episode anyway. So it's like less pressure to have to talk to someone for a long time, which would be tough, I feel like. But yeah, this was good. Yes, it was. Can you? Uh huh. Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay, good. It was a good one. Yes. All right. So, when do you think you want to do the next one? Anytime. Okay. Well, I think that maybe we could do one later in the week. Yeah, for sure. Maybe another. uh, What day did we we did did we do Thursday or Friday last week? We did Friday, right? Yeah, we should do. We can do Friday because then I'll just uh, I can go over stuff about what happened on. Uh, tomorrow with the FC. Yeah, we could even do like Thursday. Yeah, Thursday or Friday. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Okay. Good job. You too. See ya. All right, bye.